24 hours can be a lifetime in politics, and what's just unfolded in Britain is testament to that. There were deafening cries for Prime Minister Boris Johnson to resign yesterday as more than 50 ministers and officials quit his government and told him to go. He refused. Well, today, the usually unshakable Johnson changed his tune. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. I know that there will be many people who are relieved and uh, perhaps quite a few who will also be disappointed. And I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the breaks. Them's the breaks. His exit was neither particularly graceful, certainly not apologetic. And he is planning on sticking around until a new party leader can be named, probably in the fall. We'll see what that if that unfolds that way. A lot of folks are a little bit worried about that. Joining me now is Global Mail Europe correspondent Paul Waldy with more. Thanks for your time. Hi there. Well, David Cameron once uh, compared Boris Johnson back from their Oxford days as slippery as a greased pig. Um, it seems the fates finally caught up with him today. No surprise, I imagine. Well, no surprise, but it sure took a lot to get him out of office. He dragged this out for a good two days and it looked for a moment that, that he was going to try and cling to power in some strange way as cabinet minister after cabinet minister quit all around him and told him he had to go. He finally relented this morning and really even in his closing statement or his statement sort of announcing his retirement or resignation, he took some shots at uh, some of his critics and said, you know, he was the victim of herd mentality and that really he had tried to tell them that this wasn't a good time to change leaders because the government was doing so well. So it was kind of an odd, backhanded way of leaving. Yeah, he talked about sort of the Darwinian structure and the eccentric rule. I mean, it wasn't exactly a, a gracious departure, at least uh, vis-a-vis his own party. No, it wasn't. And you can tell he has real resentment and real anger about being forced out of office, which, which isn't surprising given his nature. It, what it was his ultimate downfall? I mean, three years ago, Uh, Less than three years ago, actually, he won with uh, the biggest landslide the Conservatives had seen since the Thatcher years. And uh, he doesn't get to celebrate his three year anniversary in power. He's gone. It's uh, it's it's it it has been quite the downfall. It really has. And I think you have to look at the pandemic played a a big factor in this. You know, he wasn't great at administering the pandemic. He did roll out a very good vaccination program, but there were an awful lot of problems along the way. Then it didn't help that there were revelations that he and his officials were holding all kinds of parties when the rest of the country was in lockdown. And then there was a recent kind of series of scandals, including one involving the deputy chief whip who'd been caught up on allegations of sexual assault. And that suggestion there was that Boris Johnson kind of knew about these rumors, but went ahead and gave him this position anyway. So there were a lot of things building, building, building. And then you had these two by-election defeats in June that were really substantial and and pretty, pretty uh, devastating to the conservative party. And I think for a lot of, Tory MPs. That was kind of the last straw, and it was time really for them to to tell Boris he had to go. Yeah, I guess he'd really become a, a liability to the party. Uh, ultimately, I guess, I mean, his nature and his, uh, let's call it, liberal relationship with the truth had always been well known, even when he was mayor of London and so forth. Um, what do you think brought him down when he reached the top job? Was, was, it, was it just his inability to sort of say, okay, I'm going to stay disciplined. The rules apply to me and I'm going to lead by example. Do you think that's where it went wrong? I think that's part of it. I think, you know, the, the Boris charm and the Boris magic that had seen him through so much of his political career and seen him weather so many scandals and storms that would have done in any other politician easily, that kind of started to wear off. And I think the, 
the revelations of the, what they call party gate really damaged an awful lot of the credibility and the perception of him in the public size really began to fall, fall off this winter and spring as more and more things came out. So I think he was starting to become a liability. And of course, the Conservative Party in, in Britain really has, uh, waste no time in getting rid of leaders if they become a liability. Yeah, he's, he's the, the new one will be the fourth, uh, and they haven't lost power since. It's remarkable in a parliamentary system to see a party have what will now be four, four leaders uh, uh, without having lost To the next election with all of this, this massive majority, this gigantic majority that he won them in 2019, circumstances were very different. He campaigned solely on Brexit and Brexit done. And at that point, the country was really fed up with the whole debate and, and gave him this overwhelming mandate to do that. Uh, but, you know, things change very quickly, as, as they often do in politics. So what now for the Conservatives? I realize that it may, may might get a bit messy if, if you can't form a government, but, but uh, there will be at some point a new leader in place, I gather, in the fall if all goes according to Boris Johnson's plan. Well, it's yeah, it's out of his hands entirely now. And in fact, there's lots of people saying he shouldn't stick around at all. He wants to stay until the new leader is, is sworn in. But, he, you know, there's a lot of people saying he shouldn't. It's a pretty fast process. Um, the, uh, the way it works is the conservative members of parliament will vote amongst themselves and pick two candidates. Those two candidates will be put out to a vote to party members. And it'll all be done by certainly by the end of August. And you could have a new prime minister in place in early September. So it's a quick process. The problem this time, though, last time this happened, Boris Johnson was the clear favorite and it wasn't even close. This time, there is no clear favorite at all. If anything, there's kind of a collection of cabinet ministers that are kind of known to the public, but not very well, and certainly not nowhere near the profile that Boris Johnson had. You know, I think I was thinking back to when a lot of Canadians may have sort of first seen Boris Johnson when he first arrived on our radar. And it really was 10 years ago at the 2012 London Olympics. So what for him now? What do you think happens to Boris Johnson? That'll be really interesting to see whether he stays as an MP, whether he runs in the next election, whether he tries to come back. You never know with Boris Johnson. He may stick around and try and run for the leadership again. He's not that, uh, he's certainly not that old. He's only 58. So he's got lots of time to, to rebuild and, and try again. Any thoughts on, I mean, it might be a bit early, but any thoughts on his legacy? Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I was looking back. I mean, there have been a lot of British prime ministers who've served shorter terms than he did. But not many. I mean, Gordon Brown would have been the last one. But uh, there's sort of a long list of kind of what are seen as less successful prime ministers. If you look at the tenure, in his case, less than three years. Well, I mean, there's no doubt Brexit will be the, the, the legacy and the one thing that will always be associated with Boris Johnson. He not only co-led the campaign, the Yes Side campaign in the 2016 referendum, he became the guiding force for Brexit in the Conservative Party. And when he became leader in 2019, after doing in Theresa May, he really brought Brexit to the forefront. And he did get it done. I mean, you, you have to give him credit that within the space of a few months, he did what Theresa May couldn't do in two years. And he got Brexit over the line. He got a negotiation, a deal negotiated. And for better or worse, Brexit is in place and there's no going back. And I think that will be his legacy um, forever. Does he leave Britain and his party in a better or worse place than when he got there a few years ago? Well, it's hard to say about Britain because so much has happened in the pandemic and Brexit. You really don't know where the economy is headed or the country is headed. I think it's, it's up in the air. There's certainly a lot of tensions with Scotland uh, and in Northern Ireland that certainly will be part of his legacy as well. But I think that for the Conservative Party, they're in a much tougher position now. They don't have uh, an established leader. They don't have someone who can really uh, drive the kind of party forward into the next election. And the last two by-elections were a real indicator that in many parts of the country or in certain parts of the country, 
where the conservatives used to be strong, they're not anymore. And I think it'll be a real challenge for the conservative party in the next election. The one thing they have going for them is the leader of the Labour Party, Keir Starmer, is not, again, exactly, uh, you know, a household name and somebody who people rally around. So they do have that going for them, but it's going to be much, much tougher. Paul Baldy, thanks so much for your time. It's going to be busy days for you, I'm sure. Sure, glad to.